Thank you, Pastor. We appreciate that, and you guys really do have a great staff. We've got to meet all your pastors, from Pastor Tim, of course, Pastor Mike, and, and all the different pastors. Matter of fact, you guys have so many pastors in this place, I, you can't hardly swing a cat in this place without smacking into a pastor around here. Like, I don't know how many you guys collect, but you guys, you guys collect a lot of them, so there's a lot of pastors around here, and then you had my wife and I to the mix, now that's two more to your, to your, uh, to your nuggets there. But, so we're with uh, Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames, of course. As you can tell, we're a very politically correct ministry that... Uh, that's right, you know that's not true because you can't say hell anymore today, right? You can't tell people they're going to hell. That's not politically correct. But, but somehow, I tell you what, if you remove hell from it, then it's like removing the active ingredient to the medicine. So uh, we're not willing to remove the hell, but I, I do understand it's not always politically correct. It's not always even easy to get yourself put on the radio or any of those things anymore if you, if you put uh, the heaven's gate tells flames. But I appreciate that you guys have gone after it and that you're willing to preach the gospel and the truth to, to the people there. So, and I get to travel with my wife, Lindsay. She's um, sitting at our little soundboard back there, uh, which is below Isaac and his soundboard, which, by the way, thank you, Isaac. He's hooked us up a lot of the tech stuff as as well and so um, so today I, I, I'm going to get kind of right into it because I, I, I'm afraid that sometimes I have more sermon than time and that just kind of is always the way it works out so I, I'm going to get right into it I'm going to attempt today to do something I've never done before because I want to address two very large issues normally I would probably just address them as separate messages if I had two messages to, to give so I spent a lot of time last night and things like that uh, preparing and, and cutting down so that I could just give you an overview of these two very large subjects. Um, by the way, this is a, a, a gift. Uh, it's a stopwatch, and so I'm going to start it now. Um, it, it really doesn't benefit me a lot because uh, I don't follow it or watch it, but I know that you will feel better knowing that it's going, so, I'm, so I've, I've started that for you, okay? Um, and... And am I, oh, hey, very good. Way to go, Isaac. He's on the ball there today for me. All right, so here's what I'd like to talk to you about. I'm going to attempt to talk about two very large subjects, so I'm going to paraphrase uh, two very large ones because this teaching, uh, uh, this revelation, it changed the way that I looked at heaven. It changed the way that I, I behaved because I, I understood differently what it will look like one day for us to be in a new heaven and new earth. So the two large subjects that I want to talk about is the new heaven, the new earth, the new Jerusalem. I would like to uh, give you an overview of what that's going to look like, but I would also like to discuss the resurrection of the dead. Now you can see why these two subjects then are so large, but I'm going to attempt to do them in one little thing because I just want to give you uh, two very large uh, overviews because when you see how they fit together at the end of the day, it's going to change the way that you look at heaven and, and things like that. So let's talk about that. Why is it that we don't think about heaven more? And could it be that because we have a bad view of heaven? Don't we always kind of picture that, that heaven, we're all going to uh, float in a cloud somewhere, right? And we're just going to, uh, they're going to start singing that song, I'm going to worship you forever, I'm going to worship you, right? I tell you guys, 10 minutes into that song, and I'm thinking, we've got to finish this song. <laughs> Let alone if you get an hour into it. Well, what if you have a view of heaven that, that you're picturing, well, I, I can't stand that song 10 minutes in. How am I going to spend eternity floating on a cloud singing, I'm going to worship you forever? Like, all of a sudden, it gives us a very bad view of heaven. We start to look at it and go, how is it that we can convince other people that, that they should accept this great returnal reward of heaven when we don't even have that much excitement to get there, Right? Uh, like, I don't know if you guys ever thought about this, but there, so there'll be no killing on my holy mountain, so that means that steak is gone. 
Okay, so I don't know if that bothers anyone else. I, I love myself a good steak, so, so already you take away steak now from the equation. I know I'm not going to get that in heaven, but now I'm going to sing the same song over and over and over again while floating on a cloud. Like, that's a bad view of heaven. And, and so I want you to have a right view of heaven. I, I want us to see what, it, what it's really about. Um, uh, it, it, there's a book, uh, Driven by Eternity, made a big impact on my life. It's by uh, Ran, uh, John Brevere. Uh, book, uh, Driven by Eternity. If you just want to jot that down, you can. if you ever just want a book that really changes the way that you picture your eternity and your eternal rewards, that's one of them. But here's one of the other ones. There is a book called Heaven, Just Heaven. And it's by Randy Alcorn. And, and Randy Alcorn has dedicated his life just to the study of heaven. And he has read, uh, and in his book, he quoted that he has read somewhere in the neighborhood of the 250-some books on heaven, uh, near-death experiences, all sorts of things. He just, he studies heaven. That's what he likes to do. His book really shaped and changed a lot of my thoughts and views on heaven. But he did make this statement in there. And if anyone wants to read that book one day, it's just called Heaven by Randy Alcorn. Um, but uh, here's a quote from his book. He, he said this, that Satan need not convince us that heaven does not exist. He only needs to convince us that heaven is a place of boring, unearthly existence. Because if we believe that lie, we'll be robbed of our joy and our anticipation. And we'll center our minds on this world and not the next. And catch that line. We'll center our minds on this world and not the next if we don't have a right view of what the next life is going to be like. And so we'll start being motivated and we will not be motivated to share our faith. Why would we share the, the good news that somebody can spend eternity in a place that we're not even looking forward to going to? So that's why I wanted to recenter our mind today on the idea of heaven and what it will be like. So um, the, uh, the current heaven, the new earth. Uh, right now, the Bible describes the current heaven as a temporary dwelling place. Uh, consider that for just a moment, that currently where people are residing now is only a temporary home. The Bible says that one day there will be a permanent home. So people are in what we will call the intermediate heaven. They're up there uh, now in the intermediate place. The, heavens, or the Bible speaks so that in, uh, uh, in the future that there will be another place and that will be our new heaven, our new earth and things like that. But it also describes the same thing for hell. Did you know that hell is only a temporary place currently now? It, currently, where are the bodies of those that are dead? They're on earth, right? We can dig up the graves. We can find the graves of, of dead people that were wicked. We can find the graves of dead people that are righteous, but their bodies are still here on earth. But it says that their spirit and soul has departed, and those things have gone on into, into a, a place of dwelling. But remember what the Bible says, that one day all the dead shall rise, and, and the just and the unjust, and it does say that the, the unjust will be thrown into their final resting place, which is the lake of fire. And we've got a final resting place for the, the believers, which is the, uh, the new heaven and the new earth. And so the current places where people are, these are called temporary. And, and the Bible teaches what the final ends of these things will be. Um, it, I want us to consider it like bookends. Uh, in Genesis 1 through 3, God made a plan for mankind. We, we know what his plan was. And then in Revelation 20, you pick up on the fulfillment of God's plan. It, it's the new heaven and the new earth. And everything between these two bookends, Genesis 1-3 and Revelation 20, is the detour that has taken place, right? But God's original plan was that Genesis, and we kind of know this, like, God, what was your original plan? Well, he created the Garden of Eden, and he created man, and he walked among them here on this earth, right? That was God's original plan. And just because sin happened does not mean that God abandoned his original plan. That is what he would really like it to be like. Um, I, I want us to, uh, I, 
Okay, uh, well, let me stay on my notes here, okay? Uh, God's desire is to dwell with us here on this earth. And this is one of the points I want to make right now. I, I, I want you, I'm going to just tell you what the answer is, and then I'm going to prove it to you in Scripture, okay? Uh, God's desire is to do exactly what he intended to do in Genesis 1 through 3. His desire is to walk with us here on this planet earth. His desire is for you to live for eternity on this planet earth. And so we know that this is God's desire because that's what he did. And um, I want you to, if perhaps if you're like me, you always pictured that one day, um, boom, this earth is going to explode. God's going to completely destroy it. He's going to create a completely new heaven and earth, and he's going to move that one in, and that's where we're going to dwell. And I know why we believe that. And if we don't study the scripture, I get when you read a handful of scriptures, you kind of get that idea. But that's not actually what scripture teaches us. I want to point out to you today that, that this earth will be your final home. Now listen to a couple scriptures as we go through it here. Uh, this one here, and I, I think I have this on the screen. Let's check it out. All right. So, um, now look, this is just one scripture here, but listen to what it says. Uh, Jesus said these words. If anyone abides in me... Yep, did I get that one? Good. Okay. So we're on the same spot. So Jesus said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him. And this is the next sentence. And we, we will come and make our home with him. Catch what he said. He didn't say, I'm going to take them. If you love Jesus, if you follow him, I'm going to take them and they're going to, I'm going to make their home up here with me. He says, we will come to them and dwell with them. All through the prophecies, Ezekiel and, and Jeremiah and all the different things, it says the glory of the Lord will one day rest in the new Jerusalem. He will come here to dwell with us. God's desire is exactly what it was in Genesis. He wants to come to this earth and dwell with us. Now look, um, we've always pictured that, that this planet would be removed and that we would, um, or perhaps some of us have pictured that. Maybe if I can just get a quick hand. How, how many of you guys, just so I know the audience that we're talking to, how many of you guys, this is brand new, you're, you're just hearing something, you're going, wait, I, I didn't know that. How many of you guys believed that this earth would be completely gone and that you would never see it again at the end of all times? Just give me your couple hands. Okay. And, and the rest of you guys, you understood that this would be your permanent home? And that's okay, whether, whether you're in, and some of you guys are saying, I'm not still sure what he's talking about up there, and that's okay too, so we'll get there, okay? So listen, I'll give you just one scripture that indicates this now, okay? But remember the words of Jesus. Jesus said that not even one tittle from the word would go unfulfilled. So if I only had one scripture that proved it, that, that showed that this is the way it's going to be, that would be enough, because Jesus said not even one scripture will go unfulfilled, but there are many uh, that speak of it. So listen to this here. It says in, um, in Psalms, it says, Now you, being God, okay, who laid the foundations of the earth so that they should not be moved forever. So I know what you're thinking, right? Uh, uh, the Bible says that God laid the foundation of this earth, that it will not be moved forever. And, and I know you're thinking, but wait, I know that there's scriptures that say that the, the world's going to be destroyed and, and that uh, God's going to make a new heaven and new earth. And that's correct. So let's read those right now. I'm just going to read them to you and then we'll, we'll discuss that, okay? Now let me see if this is keeping up with me. All right, it's doing a good job. So it says, now I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And I, I know we're coming to that, okay? Also, there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, which was that new Jerusalem. It was coming down out of heaven. It was prepared as a bride that was adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, 
the tabernacle of God is with men. So first, he saw the uh, God coming down from heaven to dwell with man. It says that the tabernacle of God will one day dwell with man, okay? And he will dwell with them, it says. He will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be their God, and God will wipe every tear from their eye. There will be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. And then he said, Behold, I make all things new. And we'll remember that sentence. Behold, I make all things new. One more I'm going to read here. It's not on the, the slide, but I'll just give you a little thing. It says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, according to the promise, look for the new heaven and the new earth in which righteousness dwells. So I know those are the scriptures that, that seem to lead people to believe that the earth will be completely destroyed. But, but uh, follow me on some of this now, and you'll see how this is going to work out here in just a second. The question is, is the old the new new? So, um, so yes, there will be a new heavens and a new earth, but consider that the, world, uh, the word new does not mean a complete replacement of, or of the current earth, but a regeneration of. In the same sense that if a house burns down and somebody goes and rebuilds the house, you would say it's a new house, right? Even though it's perhaps built on the same land and perhaps even using the same foundation. This is what the Bible describes is actually going to happen to this earth. One day it will be completely destroyed by fire, but God intends to rebuild it. God intends to give it to the, to the righteous. And, um, and there's a lot of scriptures that speak of this, but for a moment, let's look at Noah, okay? God said to Noah that the earth would be destroyed, right? We know that. God said to Noah that the earth would be destroyed with a flood. But we know that when he destroyed it, that it was not completely unusable, nor did it become uninhabitable later. God destroyed it. See, the first time that judgment came, God destroyed the earth with water. It says the next time that God's judgment comes, he will destroy the earth by fire. But I tell you, it does not mean that his intention is still not the same it was in Genesis. His intention is the regeneration of all things. He will rebuild this earth, and us, being the saints, will inherit it. And I'll show you how that uh, are some of those scriptures here in a minute. Uh, the Bible says that, that his new judgment will be by fire. God does not change. Uh, God's judgment by water did not permanently make it uninhabitable. And God's desire is for us to be here like in Eden and for him to dwell with us. Um, could you imagine God... And we know that Jesus will have a millennial reign, right? Now, we won't talk about a millennial reign, but, but we know that Jesus will come here and reign on earth for a thousand years. It says he'll sit upon the throne of David and over his kingdom and all these things. Uh, can you imagine Jesus, like, reigning a thousand here, years here on earth and then all of a sudden just throwing his hands up at the end of it and saying, you know what, Satan, you got it. Uh, I just can't do this anymore. I, I'm out of here. Uh, I'm going to take all my saints. We're out of this place. Uh, uh, you, you've just destroyed it too much. I could redeem the, the souls of, of saints, but I just couldn't do it to the earth. Can you imagine that? God's plan is not to abandon the earth that he created. It says that that's our inheritance. It's one of our gifts to us, and he's not going to abandon this earth. Uh, if we only look at two other scriptures, I think they would be sufficient. But uh, let me throw them up here and, and see that they're on here, okay? Just make sure I got those. Yes. All right, so listen to what it says in Acts. Now, this is scriptures that are also describing what will happen in the final days, but they do it in a way that perhaps gives a little more light to what we mean when we say new. It, it says, um, 
uh, therefore, that, that, um, that he may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to us, whom heaven must receive, so heaven has received Jesus Christ, until the times of the restoration of all things. See, that helps us visualize it a little bit more, that God is saying that one day there will be a restoration of all things, not a complete destroying of. Jesus said to them, um, another scripture here, Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of glory, uh, those who have followed me will also sit on thrones. Even Jesus himself described that one day there would be a regeneration of, of the heavens. Um, this one right here will probably help the most, okay? Uh, Paul uses, when, when the Bible said that there will be a new heavens and a new earth, uh, the Greek word there is, is uh, kainos, and it's the exact same uh, Greek word that was used when Paul described what happens to a new believer, uh, when they become a new creation. It, it says when a, when a person becomes a new believer, uh, they become a, or when they become a believer, they become a new creation in Christ. And yet you know that like the person wasn't destroyed, right? And so it's that same Greek word that, that the Bible says that when God makes the new earth, it will not be that it's completely destroyed, but it will be new as in the sense of a new believer it is also considered new. Let me give you a handful of scriptures here, okay? And you're going to know these ones. Are you ready? Now that you start to get your, idea around the, uh, your mind around the idea that you will dwell on this earth, I'd like to show you a couple of scriptures now that promise this to you, okay? And they make it very clear. So in Matthew 5, 5, you guys are going to know this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they, they shall inherit the earth, right? Now, now what do you think? It, do you think it's right that God would say and give all sorts of promises that we're going to inherit the earth and then take the earth away and say, well, I, I gave you a substitute, right? I, I'm going to switch it out on you at the last minute. No, God's intention is, he said, blessed are the meek and those in heaven for this earth belongs to us. This is our inheritance. This is one of the things he is giving to us. Listen again in Psalms what it says. Uh, it says this, and I'm just going to read, um, this is all from Psalm 37, but it's just a bunch of different lines from it. So I'm just going to read some of this. It says, um, for those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. And it says, but the meek shall inherit the earth, and their inheritance shall be forever. For those blessed by him shall inherit the earth, and the righteous shall inherit the land and dwell in it forever, the Bible says in Psalm 37. And he shall exalt you to inherit the land, it continues on to say. One more time in Isaiah, I'll read a little, a little passage of it. And it says, in the day of salvation, I have helped you. I have preserved you and will give you as a covenant to the people to restore the earth and cause them to inherit the desolate heritages. So even there in Isaiah, again, it says that, that he will restore to the earth. So now I think we'll look at something that's a little bit more fun here, okay? I also want to prove it to you through, through one more thing. I, I've shown it to you maybe through scripture, because uh, I, I want us to get your, your mind around this. When I really understood and, and was convinced that I knew what, what heaven, at least in part, what, what lies for the saints, it really changes the way you walk, that you're not floating on a cloud somewhere, that, that God's intention was a lot like Adam and Eve. And when you see the Garden of Eden, that's what he desires for us. And that's what this earth will one day be. And you will one day walk on this earth in that way, okay? And so I want you to really grab hold of this. So let's look at uh, four quick things. And that is four promises that were made that have yet to be answered, okay? And let's see. Okay, so four promises that are made. 
Here they are. So first, God's promise to Abraham. Uh, it says that, that the promise that, and I'm going to turn just slightly. There we go. For the promise that he, being Abraham, would be heir of the world. So we know that God made that promise to Abraham. Everybody remembers that? He would be heir of the world. He would inherit the world. Then it went on to say, though, that, that we, uh, th- or that through faith, he dwelt in the land of promise, okay? And that we, by faith, are also heirs of the same promise, It literally means that you can claim the same promise that Abraham made because by faith he received it, and the Bible says by faith you may receive the same promise. Now, there's one more scripture that's not up on the screen, but it says this. In Hebrews 11.13, it says, Abraham died having not received the promise. So God made a promise to Abraham that the land that he went and dwelt in, remember he moved from his hometown, he went and dwelt in the promise that God was going to give him, he never got that land. What if God destroyed the entire earth? Abraham would never get his promise. He would never receive the thing that was given to him. And you, you've never dwelt in the land, right? The land he's talking about is Israel. Maybe a handful of you have lived in Israel, but how many of you guys have inherited any land in Israel? And yet it says that the same promise is for you. And you've never inherited the land, so if you haven't inherited it and you die, when will you inherit your land? It says that the regeneration of all things, God's intention is to give us this great land. Uh, Abraham was never given that land. So uh, let's look at God's promise then to David for a moment. God made a promise to David. He said, and to you and your household, your throne shall be established forever. Now, how many guys understand that, that in the place where a king sits, that's where his throne is, right? That's the land that he, he occupied. And, and so it said um, that a couple of things would happen, that his seed would sit on a throne which is in Israel forever. Now, in Isaiah, I'll give you one more, and you guys have all heard this, right? For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. David was given a promise that the Messiah would come through his line. It says to us, it was given a child and a son. And we know that Messiah now to be Jesus Christ. And it says that the promise to David is that the Messiah would sit upon the very throne that David got to sit upon. And that he would rule over David's kingdom and he would order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that day forward and forever. That once Jesus Christ takes the throne of David, he will never depart it. This world will not be destroyed in the sense that, uh, that Jesus will abandon the throne of David and David will receive a new throne. No, it says Jesus will establish it forever. He will have it. Um, what about the, uh, God's promise to the earth? Let's look at one more. So God made a promise to the earth and it said this. It says, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption. See, the earth has been in corruption ever since sin came. Remember in Genesis, uh, God said to, to Cain, listen, the earth has had to open up to receive your brother's blood. 
And therefore, it has been under the corruption and groaning under corruption since the beginning. But it does say that one day, even the earth will also be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. The same liberty that the children of God will receive, being free now from the bondage of sin, so the earth will also receive. God has made a promise to Abraham. God has made a promise to David. God has made a promise to the earth. And now there's one more. God has made a promise to you. Listen to what he also says then in Revelation, okay? In Revelation, this is the promise to us. And now in Revelations, it says, and they sang a song and they were saying. So this is talking about the saints of God. They're up there singing a song. And, and although the song doesn't really rhyme now in our, in our words, listen to the last thing that it says. Uh, it says, uh, you were worthy to take the scroll to open its seals. And I'm just going to skip down there. And then it says, and you have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. That's what they were singing in heaven. We shall reign on the earth. Did you know that the saints that are in heaven are singing the song, we shall reign on the earth? We shall reign on the earth. They believe it. They're believing that they're going to come back to earth. That's what their hope is. They're going to reign on this earth because that's the promises that God has made. So when you hear he said, behold, I make all things new, I tell you it's because he says, I'm going to make all things new. I'm going to wipe this earth clean. I'm going to cleanse it with fire the next time it's cleansed, but I'm going to rebuild it and this is your inheritance. And doesn't that change the way that maybe you look at what eternity will be like for you? Now, if you die today, you're going to go on to the intermediate heaven, okay? Your body is going to stay here. You're going to go up there for a little bit. But one day, it says that you're going to return to earth. Um, I started off with one scripture, and I said this. It was in Psalms, okay? And it said this, You, O God, who laid the foundations of the earth so that they should not be moved forever. And now you can hear that. The foundations of this earth will not be moved forever, guys. This is our home. And uh, the earth is not some lifeboat where it's run for your life before it burns up, but instead it's more like an ark. It's being preserved for the righteous who will once again inherit it. Behold, I make all things new, he said in the Bible, right? Now, I'm going to radically switch gears on you. I, I presented that in, in probably the fastest I, I've ever thought I could present it, okay? Uh, but it's because what good is, is it describing to you where the final resting place is if we don't also describe what you will be like, right, in the day that, that you walk on this earth? And so I want to talk about, for a moment, the resurrection of the dead. So we're going to switch over for a minute. And um, we'll go one more here. We're going to talk about the resurrection of the dead, Okay. Uh, so, so switching over, um, maybe, maybe like me, you kind of believe that when you got to heaven, you were going to be given your new body. And it's okay. Just show me where we're at in here, okay? How many of you guys believed that when you died like today, you would get to heaven and get, a, get your new body? How many of you guys believed that? And it's okay if you, if you did. Go ahead. Okay. Very good. And that's just being honest. And truth be told, that's kind of what I believed, right? Until you start to look at what the scripture actually says about it. But, but how many of you guys now know, if you think about it for a second, perhaps you've just never thought about the question, when does the Bible actually say you'll be given a new body? Do you guys remember? 
Thank you. It says at the rapture you'll be given the new body, right? It says at the return of Jesus Christ you will be caught up in the air and given your, your glorious body. That's when the Bible actually says it will happen. So what's happening now is we know our bodies are staying here, but our spirits are going there. So um, let's look at some of the scriptures and see what it actually says now about your new bodies. Um, scripture receives that the people will receive their new body at the return of Christ. Um, the current state is spirit. Their body is here on earth. But the people in heaven do have a form, just as angels and other spirits also have a form. Now, Jesus said this in Luke. He said that uh, when he appeared to his disciples, he said, well, look, a spirit does not have flesh and bones. So the Bible said, Jesus said these words, a spirit does not have flesh and bones. Now, this is after he's resurrected, but he says this, like I have. After Jesus was resurrected, he said, look, I've got flesh and bones. I've got a body. And he says, spirits do not have flesh and bones. And we know that people's bodies are here, but their spirits are gone. The people in heaven do not have flesh and bones, although they do have some form. And we just know that from different things in Scripture and things. But, uh, but there is some form, but they do not have flesh and bones yet, is, is what the Bible says. And I've heard some people say that this body is just a shell. And one day they're going to discard it and they're going to fly away and all those things. Yes, that is true, but I wouldn't be so quick to discard it. And I'd be careful how you, how you discard it, right? Because did you know what the Bible actually teaches? The old body is the new body? Your old body is your new body. And I'm going to show you some scriptures that point to it. Maybe it's better to say, rather than just saying that I'm going to receive a new body one day, maybe it's better to say I'm going to receive a new resurrected body one day, Right? Jesus is our perfect example of what a resurrected body looks like. See, Jesus, when he died, he received his old body back, right? And it was made new. It was resurrected, but he was not completely unrecognizable. It was his body that was laid in the tomb. Three days later, it was his body that he took back up. And it says that we are awaiting the same promise that Jesus had, the resurrection of the dead. And now we're an assembly of God church, right? And so we, one of our 16 fundamental truths is, we believe in the resurrection of the dead. When we're talking about literally physical graves opening up, we believe that the graves will open and that people's bodies will be put back together and that this will be the new and resurrected body. This is what the Bible teaches us. Now listen, when Jesus died, he spent three days in the belly of hell um, um, setting the captives free or the righteous free. Okay? Uh, and that's a... That's a longer story, I guess, than we have time for now, the, the difference between paradise and heaven and things like that. But, but it says that Jesus went to the belly of hell, setting the captives free. Then it says he was resurrected from the dead. And, and what was resurrected? Since his spirit and soul had not died. We know his spirit and soul were, were alive, right? So what was resurrected? I know it sounds so simple, but what was resurrected from the dead? Since their spirit and soul did not die. When Jesus was resurrected from the dead, it was his body that was resurrected from the dead. And, and more specifically, how did a resurrection happen? His spirit and soul were rejoined with his body, right? That's really what happened, because his spirit and soul never perished. They were always alive, they were always conscious. It says where he went, he was doing things, he was thinking, he was all these things. But when it says he was resurrected, it says his spirit and soul were rejoined with his body. This is what the resurrection of the dead means. And if we believe and you believe that you're going to be resurrected from the dead one day, well, if your soul never dies and the souls of those that have gone never dies, if they've never perished, what's being resurrected? It's your body. Your body must be resurrected. Consider this, too, that Jesus was without a body since the beginning of time. 
right? He was with the word. He was the word. So Jesus was without a body since the beginning of time. Until one day he was born of a virgin. He received a body. When he died then, about 33 years later, uh, he went three days again without a body, right? His body was in the tomb, we know that, and he was gone for three days, so he spent three days without a body. But then, when he came back, he was resurrected, and he has been with his new body ever since. And the Bible says that he ascended to heaven with his body, right? Jesus has never since that day, for 2,000 plus years, been without his body, and so he started with no body, spent three short days without a body, and now has been with his body, which is uh, with him forevermore. Guys, this is the exact same thing. It says that he is uh, the foreshadowing of what's going to happen to us. We one day will spend a little bit of time without our bodies, but then we will again receive our bodies, right? And so let's go on now and say this. Um, uh, will, when will we get a new body? Uh, we will get a new body at the moment called the rapture. Now, uh, currently people have this intermediate state and all these different things. Now, the word rapture, of course, is not even in the Bible, but the word rapture just describes an event, kind of like when we say 9-11, right? We, we know what event took place on 9-11. Or if I say to you Y2K, which I know has been a long time, right? But, but Y2K, you, you know what event that was. Well, when I say to you rapture, you understand what, what event's taking place, but it's actually three events that are taking place all basically on the same time. And the three events are this. If we say the word rapture, what we are really saying is it's the return of Jesus Christ, and it says the resurrection of the dead in Christ. What that means is those that have died that belong to Jesus Christ will be raised from the dead. It says at the return of Jesus Christ. Then it says a third event will happen. There will be people who have not died that belong to Jesus Christ. And they too will be caught up in the air. So Jesus will return. The dead that are in Jesus Christ will arise first and be caught up in the air. And those who are alive that belong to Jesus Christ will also be caught up in the air. And it says this is the event that takes place at the rapture. It says that this is the moment in which you receive your new body. And so we are waiting for that day to happen. Um, for the sake of time, I'm, I'm not going to talk about any of the actual return of Christ, any of those different things. I just am going to touch now on a couple scriptures now that reveal to you about the resurrection of the dead so that you believe about your new body and when it's coming, okay? Uh, so in Thessalonians, it says this. And let me see if I can get right to it now. Is it Thessalonians? John. Okay, I'm going to come to that one in just a second, okay? So let me just read you. Uh, don't read that one yet. I'm going to give you two, or two scriptures here real fast, okay? It says this, The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, and the voice of an archangel, and the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, the Bible says. Then it says, Those who are alive and belong to him and remain, we will be caught up together with them in the air, and with the Lord in the air, and we will be with him always. So that's right there, describes the event and what's taking place there, the day of the rapture, that the dead in Christ will rise first, those who are alive and remain will be caught up. Uh, let me give you one more here. It says in Philippians that this, that um, we also eagerly await our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will do this thing, who will transform our lowly bodies, these kind of bodies, uh, to be conformed to his glorious body. This is where we know that we are awaiting the same promise that, that Jesus received. We are awaiting the day when Jesus Christ will return, when he will take our lowly bodies, these ones, and transform it into his glorious body. And so one day you will receive the same body. All right, so now I think I'm, I'm caught up on these. 
I want you to catch this sobering thought, okay? Did you know that not just the righteous will receive new bodies? See, all people will receive new bodies. All people. The wicked as well as the righteous. Everybody receives a new body. Listen to what it says here in John. He said, Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come forth. Right? It says all who are in their graves. And now we know what a grave is. And we know that he's speaking of real dead bodies. It says there is coming an hour in which all who are in their graves will hear his voice. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. See, it says that even the wicked will also receive their new body. Let me touch on it one more time. Uh, the Apostle Paul said, and this is, he was speaking to uh, Felix, but he says, this is what the Jews believe, and this is what we believe also, that there will be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust. Everybody receives a new body, which is really heartbreaking if you think about it, because what does it say will be thrown into the lake of fire? Uh, not only people, right? But it says death and Hades at the end of the day will be thrown into the lake of fire. What does it mean death is thrown in the lake of fire? Except that there will be no more death. See, Jesus conquered death. When people receive their new bodies and at the end of all things, all death will be removed. But they, the wicked, will also receive new bodies. That causes a problem because when you throw that new body without any availability to die into the lake of fire, that's how it will always remain constantly unable to die they will want to die but the bible says they cannot die see death and hades and the new bodies for the wicked are all thrown into lake of fire that's the final judgment currently in hell they are without bodies right they are spirit and soul down there but it says one day all will hear the sound of his voice all will come up for a moment. They will all be reunited with their bodies. They will be transformed into a new body. They will stand before the great white throne judgment. And then it says, the final judgment on them will be, now you'll receive your final punishment. You will be cast into the same place as the devil and all of his demons, into the lake of fire. And, and so they will be removed from their current place into the final resting place of the lake of fire with new bodies. That's a very sobering thought. It's exciting to think about our new bodies. That we will one day, this, I, I'm going to own this body forever, uh, right? I, this is going to be it. But we will be raised like Jesus. And we know a lot of cool things that Jesus could do. I mean, he walked through walls after he was resurrected, right? You, you know that. He, he teleported. He did a couple things like that. So a lot of cool things. But you know one of the other cool things he did? He ate. Guys, you'll eat one day, right? Like, I love eating. And some of you guys are thinking about lunch right now. So I, I totally get it. Uh, we're we're going to have a great time. You're going to eat one day as well. Um, although it won't be steak, I'll tell you that. That's... All right, so uh, let me go on to the last thing. I'm going to share with you this last thing that I just think you're going to enjoy, okay? Because I, I thought I'd give you all this stuff. Um, I think you guys are convinced now, and I, I think we, we've done our, our, our homework here in showing that one day you will walk on this earth, Okay? At the end of all things, I'm talking now after the millennial reign, we're talking after Armageddon, we're talking about after all the end times events. When we look down the, the pipeline to the very, very end of this thing, uh, when, when the new heaven, the new earth, the new Jerusalem, what it all ends up being is this earth, the foundations of this earth will be regenerated and you will walk and talk on this earth with these bodies that you have, although in a resurrected state. So they will be brought back to their glorious perfection. Uh, there will not be overweightness. 
There will not be any kind of deformities. There will not be any kind of ailments. You will not have your back hurt. You will not have any of these things. That is not the glorious resurrected body. But you will be recognizable. You will look at each other and go, I recognize that mullet, right? Like, I, I, I know, right? You will recognize Pastor Mike. And so uh, don't think that you'll be completely unrecognizable, but you will receive your glorious body. But the old body is what God is going to make new. He said, behold, I make all things new, including your body. Now let me give you something that's kind of, I don't know what I call this, practical, perhaps, um, let me see. I'm going to skip over that part. I did that for the sake of time. So let me just go to something here. Let me pull up a picture. Okay. Listen. Christians are not the only ones that believe there will be a resurrection of the dead. Okay? The, the Jews b- believe there's a resurrection of the dead. So much so that they behave like they know there's a resurrection of the dead. So this right here is a picture of Israel. How many of you guys have been to Israel? Just give me a couple hands there. How many have been to Israel there? See a couple? All right. So some of you guys then, this is kind of maybe your first time um, seeing some of these pictures here. So let me just show you where we're standing here for a moment. So right here, uh, let me see if this works. All right. Hey, it's my new gadget here. So we're, all right. So right here, right over here, this would be the Mount of Olives, okay? So this is where Jesus was uh, b- before he was crucified. This here is the Kidron Valley. So the big deep part here is the Kidron Valley. And there you can see then the Dome of the Rock, which is where the temple used to sit. Um, And right somewhere in there is the East Gate. And how many guys understand the the prophecies about the East Gate? It it says in uh, Ezekiel that the the King of Glory and God in his presence entered in through the East Gate. And it said, seal the gate so that he will not, um, no one will ever enter in through it again. Well, so, and, and now... Okay, so currently the Muslims control the um, Temple Mount. And for those that maybe don't follow this a whole lot, Israel owns their land now, okay? They're, they're in charge of their land. But they have lost control of the Temple Mount. And, and if you can put that into per- some perspective there, it would be like us saying we own the United States, but we lost the White House, okay? And it's under a different occupation. And so the Jews cannot even go on the Temple Mount. You, you can't even walk up there. The Jews can't enter their own White House. Um, and they have instead put a mosque on, on top of their Temple Mount. So currently, that's what that Dome of the Rock is there. But anyways, um, now over the years, and it's probably been 500 years or, or plus there, there, there was an East Gate. And what happened is, because the Bible prophecy says the King of Glory will enter through the East Gate, um, they have sealed the East Gate. They have bricked it up because they don't want... Uh, the Messiah to enter in through the East Gate. And of course, they uh, now I'm not talking about the Jews here, we're talking about the Muslims. They, they're the ones that sealed up the gate um, so that the, the Jews' Messiah could not arrive because it says he must enter in through the East Gate. Um, but those things have been, um, they're, they're bricked up now, so you can't even enter in through the East Gate. And it's a little hard to see in the picture, but it's right there. That's the East Gate, and it's sealed up with bricks. All the other gates are open. You can walk them, talk them, things like that. So anyways, I'm going to bounce back here for just a moment. Okay, so the Bible, the prophecy says this, that one day the Messiah will set his foot down on the mount called Olive, right? Which is basically where we're standing here up on this high part. This is all the mount called Olive. And it says the mountain will be split into two, right? And the dead will arise and the king of glory will enter in through the east gate. So what happens is all the Jews, knowing the prophecies, they bury their dead right here. Because... The, the Messiah is going to land here. So they want to be where the Messiah is going to be. And they know that he's got to walk through the East Gate. 
so he's going to pass by all them, so they have all buried their dead on the, on the east side. Now, when the Muslims took control for a period of time and things like that, they also have a prophecy that their Messiah will enter through that east gate. So, here's where they begin to bury their dead. Look at all, uh, on the other side of this valley, underneath the Temple Mount, they've buried all their dead over there. So now you've got Jews with their dead here, you've got the Muslims with their dead here, and the Christians have gotten involved, and they're just over here somewhere off to the side because they can't get any real estate. So they're going to be as close as they can. But this is what they're doing. They're, everyone's burying their dead on this side, and that's the Kidron Valley, and that's where uh, they believe that the Messiah is going to come, okay? Um, now, having said all that, th this is the Kidron Valley. Now, uh, where the Temple Mount is right here, um, you guys have heard of the Gehenna Valley. And remember when Jesus talked about it, he said the, the Valley of Gehenna? That was basically the garbage pit. So the garbage pit and where they would burn the garbage continually, it would always be on fire back in, in Jesus' day. And it stunk. And it's also where, um, back in the day, the child sacrifices would take place when they were doing the... Um, a lot of the naughty sacrifices and things like that, all the child sacrifices and things like that were taking place in this other valley. That valley is the valley no one wants to be in. And it's on the other side of the Temple Mount. Okay? So there's the garbage valley, and there's the valley that everybody wants to be in because the Messiah is going to come. So I'm going to read to you two prophecies, and I'm going to end on that. Okay? Now that you understand perhaps some of this real estate, I want to give you a practical application to some of the things that we just talked about. And, and I'm going to read to you um, two scriptures. There's a prophecy in, in, uh, in Jeremiah, and it says these things, okay? So listen here. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when it will no more longer be called the Valley of Gehenna, or the Valley of the Sons of Gehenna, but the, it will be called the Valley of Slaughter. So this is the valley on the other side, the garbage valley. They'll no longer refer to it as that. They're going to call it the Valley of Slaughter one day. And it says, because they will bury in that valley people until there is no more room. And the corpses of the people will be food for the birds of the air and the beasts of the field and things like that. I'm going to skip over a little bit. And it says, At that time, says the Lord, they shall bring out the bones of the kings of Judah and the bones of the princes and the bones of the priests and the bones of the prophets and the bones of the inhabitants of Jerusalem out of their grave. And they shall spread them before the sun and the moon and all the hosts of heaven which they have loved and served. And they shall not be gathered nor buried, but they shall lay out like garbage on the earth. So it says that one day there is going to call that valley the valley of slaughter. And, and, um, and I believe prophecy points to the idea, and it's not a pretty prophecy, but you know that they're going to come against Jerusalem, they're going to surround it and inhabit it and things like that, and, and there's going to be a great slaughter. And they're going to start throwing people there as if they were garbage. But then it says, when they've conquered basically Jerusalem, and there is no more uh, um, songs and things like that in the streets, it says, then they're going to go and take their bones. Which bones? Right? Most likely, it's going to be these bones. It says, and whoever it is, okay, we won't, we won't put a name on them because at that time we don't know who it will be that will come against them, but it says it's going to take their bones, the bones of their kings, the bones of their princes, the bones of the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the bones of anyone that has buried themselves there, and it says they are going to take them and throw them on the other side of the valley and throw them in the valley of Gehenna, Right? And they're going to throw them out like garbage, not even piled up. And they're going to be spread like refuge all across the earth. 
So because they believe their Messiah is going to come and this is where they want to be, one day, not even that is going to be remaining for them. They're going to take them out of their graves and put them on the other side where they know that their Messiah will not come. And they're going to be thrown out like garbage on the, on the earth. So, I'm going to end on this last scripture. There's a reason I tell you all this, okay? Because it does have a happy ending. Are you ready for the last scripture? I'm excited to tell it to you. All right. Here it is. And you guys, now that you've heard this prophecy, isn't there another, doesn't it remind you of something? Isn't there another um, something that talks about bones? What is it? The dry bones in Ezekiel, right? See, what if God doesn't always just talk in riddles? What if God doesn't always just have something be, oh, that must be poetic, right? What if sometimes God literally means what he says he means? I'm going to read to you now from uh, um, uh, uh, Ezekiel 37, and I'm going to read the Valley of Dry Bones. See, one day there's going to be an actual valley filled with dry bones, and they're going to be very dry because some of the kings and princes have been there a long time. They're going to be very dry, the Bible says. But listen to what it says that, that will happen. And to put this just slightly in context before you read Ezekiel 37, Ezekiel 36, the one that, that is just before that, um, Ezekiel 36, the context says this, that Jerusalem has been taken captive to Babylon. And Ezekiel 36 is God pronounces a blessing on the people that in the day of the Lord, they will again inhabit the land. Ezekiel 36, God says, don't worry, I know you've been taken captive, but you will again one day inherit the land. And that God will turn the desolate places where the people are unto an Eden, he says. And they will inhabit the city again in that day. So now, immediately following that, God's promise that in the day of the Lord, they will again inherit their land. Now listen to Ezekiel 37 as we read this and end on this scripture, okay? It said, Ezekiel said this, The hand of the Lord has come upon me and brought me in the spirit of the Lord, and he set me in the midst of a valley, and it was full of bones. And he caused me to pass by them all around, and there were very many bones in the open valley, and indeed, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord, you, you alone know. And he said to me, Prophesy or speak my words to them, right? He said, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Surely, means I will do it, Surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you. I will cover you with skin and breathe in you, and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. So Ezekiel prophesied as I was commanded, and then there was a noise and a sudden rattling, and the bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered over them, but there was no breath in them. Also he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breathe and breathe on these slain. Pausing for just a second, breathe on these slain. That tells you that it's not just poetic. 
He actually tells you where the bones came from. They were the slain, right? Because they were the valley of slaughter plus the bones. But he said, breathe on the slain that they may live. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and breath came into them, and they lived, and they stood to their feet, and it was an exceedingly great army. And he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. He literally tells us what the bones are. And we know perhaps where they're coming from, right? These bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say our bones are very dry, but thus says the Lord, um, Behold, my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you out from your graves. I will put my spirit in you and you shall live and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord and I have spoken it and performed it. When you hear it like that, you say, whoa, wait, I think maybe he's really going to do it. Right? He seems to mean business on this one. I'm going to end on that idea. I just wanted today, I I hope I, I presented something to you that will really change the way that you picture um, what God's plan is for you. And when you begin to picture heaven and what it's really going to be like and what the glorious inheritance is and the plans that God has for you, no eye has seen nor ear has heard the plans that God has prepared for you. And we are just scratching the surface of what it's going to be like. But one day you will not have a boring existence. You will not have to worry about floating around in a cloud with doing nothing. Guys, you're going to be walking and talking, eating and having fellowship and doing all sorts of things and ruling and exploring the outer heavens. And you're going to be doing it in these bodies, walking on this earth with houses in a new Jerusalem that will also be here, which we didn't even talk about. But I'll just give you a little snippet. I believe, and I believe scripture points to it, that the new Jerusalem is the current heaven where the saints are now. Because Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am you may be also. Can you imagine if Jesus spent all this time just building temporary housing? Right? Like, oh, he's just going to abandon all the houses and mansions that he's been building up there and things like that? No, he said, I saw the new Jerusalem coming down out of the sky. I believe that one day heaven will meet earth like a sloppy wet kiss, right? Just like that Pentecostal song says. And, And so, that... There's going to one day, heaven will meet earth like that sloppy white kiss. And I believe that then you will, you will see the, the new heaven. And that will be the new Jerusalem. Now, that's a little bit of my theory, but I believe Scripture points to it. But guys, I just want you to be excited again about what heaven's going to be like, okay? It's not going to be boring. You've got a lot to look forward to. And now, too, when you read your Bible, you might read some Scripture a little different, right? Maybe it's not all poetic. Maybe he really means what he says. So... All right, glory be to God. Let's close them out and get out of here. We're, we're late for lunch. We've got to beat those Methodists there, right? All right. All right, Lord. Lord, I just want to thank, I want to thank you for your word because your word hides nuggets of things. It says that um, basically you, you've hidden the, the truths in plain sight, but those who look for them, God, will see them, and your plan will be revealed. And when we remember what your plan is for us, that changes everything. God, I pray that we would all receive a couple things. First is is just a fresh revelation of what your plan is for us. But I pray, number two, that this will not just excite us for what's going to happen and we say, oh, so well for the rest of you, but instead that this will motivate us towards bringing other people. 
that this will motivate us towards evangelism and the preaching of the word of God because we know what our glorious inheritance is, but we have also just touched base on what the inheritance is for those that don't follow you. And God, the, 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 the lake of fire with new resurrected bodies, God, is what lies for them. Father, would we again have a passion to really tell people about the lost? Put it inside of us. And, and we've talked as we've done the drama and things like that, that whatever you lack from God, you should pray and ask him for. And if you find that your heart is not moved in any way, shape, or form towards the lost, it, it, I understand, and that happens to many, and it, it happened to me for a good period of time, um, I started to ask him. I started to ask him for a passion for the lost and a passion for the word and a passion for prayer. And he gives it to us. So I pray, God, that you would give us what we lack. It says all we have to do is ask you for it. Will you give to us uh, a passion for the lost? And each person will have to ask God individually for their own anointing on that. But God, please answer all of our prayers. We love you and bless this outreach. Bring those lost to us tonight. We will preach your word to them, okay? We will be faithful. We'll do everything we can, Lord, to tell them about you. And, and then you do the rest and bring them to the altar and bring salvation to many tonight, we pray. Amen, guys. Amen. God bless you.